0: podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced as all things should be. I am your host, Max Mosier of the six retaining cast members of this show. Today, I have a special guest all the way from California, dear friend of the show and the host of The Christian Nerd. It is Scott Higa. Scott, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderful here in sunny Southern California, excited to be on literally one of my favorite podcasts i am a patron you guys should be patreon.com slash the infinity bros if that's a you know you'll find it but i love the show i've loved it since the beginning and i'm not just a uh sometimes fill in person i'm also a listener so i listen all the time love you guys love your show love it all so i'm excited to be here thank you for having me do you consider yourself a shill for the infinity bros podcast i think so here's the problem like my shilling has gone down quite a bit because i'm off of social media a lot not because i like Mm. lent or anything but just because twitter removed third-party apps and i can't stand the twitter official app so i'm just on twitter a lot less and i love interacting with guys on twitter and i don't really know how to promote you on instagram very well because i'm an old person so when robbie posts all of his videos you know sun's out guns out robbie's making a video uh oh, robbie. it's like do i add that to my stories i'm not entirely sure i did that also sometimes robbie has horrible takes that i don't want to promote i don't blame you so but he's been crushing those videos i appreciate them
0: i don't think any of us have a posture of like universally great takes i think all of us has
1: one have at least one bad take uh oh at least yeah no i'd probably like some some of you have one it's honestly more than one some of you have one good take Like yours, Max, is that you like the Captain Marvel movie. Outside of that, that is so true. That is so,
0: oh gosh, that's good. The only podcast that's never right except once in a while.
1: You're you you guys are worse than a broken clock. You can't even get it right twice a day.
0: Just. Yeah, we literally are. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
1: But I, I will say though, uh, there are a few podcasts that get me to shout at my phone as fervently as yours does when you say something that I don't agree with, which is why you should. Is why you should listen to a podcast. And I think what I like about you guys is that uh, you're not. You know. You know. Like I don't watch any of those morning talk shows on like espn with like skip bayless oh, yeah. and like because they're idiots they just say stupid things and they think they're right like you guys say what you feel but like ah but you know it's yeah i could be wrong it doesn't matter like right you're not so obs- you are you're not so obsessed with your own takes that you think anybody else who doesn't agree with them is wrong you're just like ah oh, yeah that's, that's probably it so that that's what i pre- that's what i appreciate about the infinity sure bayless. yeah well we appreciate you
0: too scott so check out the christian nerd if that's your jam. If not, then you know, block him. Yeah, just blo- and, block me. Yeah, don't don't listen. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, care. You're I, no, right one, no one's making you listen to the podcast. Yeah, no one's making you listen. You yeah. don't have to listen anymore.
1: The only thing you have to listen to is the sound of your own thoughts in your head. And maybe you should get maybe maybe you should get a therapist. That's why you don't want to listen to quality let's content. Stay away from
0: the voices inside Scott's head. <laughs> and let's head over to um, the review of this episode. You're here today to listen to our spoiler review of guardians of the galaxy volume three uh, this is written and directed by james gunn stars chris pratt chakudi Awuji. i did it i did it i did it i've been worried about that name for three you're
1: totally months. gonna screw up like dave batista or something now <laughs> it's like in Bradley copper gosh dang it bomb <laughs> clementine dave batista karen gillen
0: vin diesel i don't owe any more names Maria Bakalova, i owe heard that name. Sean Gunn, and Will Poulter. I want to make sure I get him too. Will Poulter. Um, uh, for the this is now thirty three movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That
1: it's up to thirty three. Thirty three now. Lord, yep that's a lot uh, of movies. Released,
0: released early May twenty twenty three. Um, it has a runtime of two hours and thirty minutes and we are going to be reviewing this thing top to bottom but here's what we're going to do first we're going to explain our rating system and put that bumper right here so you know how we rate things on this show here on the infinity bros podcast everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent if all of the infinity bros rank something a six it gets an infinity Step. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and re- give the non spoiler review. So, if there are people that are curious about checking this out but don't want to be spoiled, we want to make sure we give them an opportunity to hear this. So, um, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Give us your broad strokes rating of this movie without spoiling anything. Uh, and feel free to talk about as much as you like. Just please, no spoilers. No spoilers. Go ahead.
1: Broad stroke rating. If you enjoyed Gardens Galaxy Volume 1 and you enjoyed Gardens Galaxy Volume 2, I cannot imagine why you would not enjoy Gardens Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, it's a little more emotional. It's a little heavier, I think, as you know. probably the trailers have communicated. But it's the same humor, the same action, the same characters that I think we've grown to love even more over almost 10 years of seeing them in these movies and Infinity War and Endgame and Thor Love and Thunder. So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think that it was a very fitting ending to the, the story that James Gunn wanted to tell. So yeah, I really liked it.
0: Love it. What's your rating?
1: I would give it a five out of six on the
0: Infinity Row scale. Yeah. Five out of six from Scott. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and preface all of this by saying Scott hates when people deal in absolutes of best <laughs> and worst. Um, so I know I'm about to say some best and worst things here. Um <laughs> yeah, uh I got to I got the opportunity to see this twice. I got to see it Thursday and then Saturday night. And I haven't had a bigger emotional experience in a Marvel movie. And I felt like Endgame was one of the biggest emotional experiences I've ever had. And I really, I never thought that that emotional experience of Endgame could be topped. And it was topped twice. Wow. Uh, I cried at the same exact beats both times in both theaters. Uh, I cried multiple times. I've never cried more than once in a Marvel movie. James Gunn, in my opinion, has a trilogy here that is unbelievable. And. This is not the best Marvel movie ever made, but it certainly is the darkest and most emotional. And I believe everybody who likes Marvel, not loves likes, should see this movie. Uh, I I really, really enjoy it. We'll talk about kind of some things in the movie later that there's a couple things I have nitpicks on. Um, There's also a couple. I have a really, really strong frustration with how people are speaking about this movie, and I'll talk about that later.
1: I love hearing Max yelling at the Internet. I'm, young I'm young young ish man yells at internet it's the best
0: i have seen it's to me that i will direct my feedback to the critics because i think they are leading i think they're leading people astray i don't mm. think they're giving people the full context of this mm. one and the full context is you're signing up for an emotional ride that if you uh, you nailed this scott if you have walked alongside these characters through the in guardians movies infinity war endgame the holiday special and Thor Rag uh, Thor Love and Thunder, excuse me, then this is a must-watch. Yeah. It's not a, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. And um, you will be rewarded for lines in every single one of those movies. You'll be rewarded for decisions made in every single one of those movies. And um, this is what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is all about, this movie. So uh this felt like watching old Marvel all over again, which was great. So
1: I'm giving it a six out of six. Whoa. Uh, this is one of my favorite Marvel movies ever made. Dang it. Had I given it a six, we could have Infinity snapped it. Cause I well, actually, you're the you're the only official bro on this podcast. So <laughs> you're the guy that brought it down. By, but by um, a technicality, all the Infinity Bros on this podcast gave it a six. So Infinity snapped that ish. It's okay. I,
0: I can also confirm I don't have a rating for him, but I can I I don't have like a synopsis, but I do have a rating from Jared of Six. So him and i both shared a lot of 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 the same similarities here and there's some really heavy stuff we're going to talk about so we're going to pause on here now if you are going to listen from this point on this will be a completely spoiler review so if you haven't seen the movie i'm going to have i'm going to ask you to pause come back later and check this review out this is just spoiler warning
1: this is
0: prepare yourself
1: an infinity bros prepare
0: yourself
1: spoiler Ah! warning when did you cry because i didn't like i don't know if i'm dead on the inside which might be the problem like i said <laughs> it's been a tough year for me so might be sure. my emotional states all over the place i like we talked about in the pre-show i cried at dungeons and dragons i did not cry it so when when did you cry and I, like, i'm not i'm not one of those like man up and don't cry like i think crying is awesome and amazing but when did when did you cry like i really want to know
0: yeah so several times so and we'll talk about some of these scenes a little bit. I, I really, the family dynamic in this, this is the best version of Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of talking about family, in my opinion. I think they really nail family systems in this. I think they really nail the black sheep and stupid person in this, Dave Bautista, uh, as Drax. Um, I, the The animal cruelty stuff doesn't hit in that way for me. Yeah. What hits for me is when specific lines are said mm. So when um, the high evolutionary is looking at Rocket and just in a very convoluted, very intelligent way of saying you are worthless to his face, that just was so dumbfounding to me.
1: But also that that scene made me want to punch him in the face. Like that scene made him like like this guy's way worse than Ego and Ronan the Accuser combined because just the way he dismissed it's like just laughing. Like how could you expect to be like that was so that I, maybe maybe I could have been like i could have cried rage tears but i was really mad at that moment when
0: nebula nebula's response to rocket being Mm -hmm. back yeah that was a good that hits home i I think here here's a little here's a little peek behind the curtain for my audience i i have a very dear friend of mine passed away at the age of 17 and so there's this kind of feeling in this movie of kind of that stuff's Mm. popping up for me when i'm watching this and I think for me, what makes Endgame so amazing is you work through the processing of all this pain. And and, and, in my job, I work with people that it takes a long time for me to learn about their pains. And so to basically find out in all these previous movies that James Gunn was strategically writing Rocket where this movie would affirm and make scenes that are better, that to me is some really deep, profound art and some deep sequences that really touch my heart but also um and it's this is this is a really convoluted answer and i know not everybody is a christian but for me there's some really deep thematic things that are really hitting home for me in my faith Mm. and how i walk life Mm -hmm. and um i I don't know if i can get into all that on this show because i don't want to hijack that with that that message you can come on my show and talk about it yeah i'll do that (laughs) on your show I just more so, I, I just think James Gunn wrote a masterpiece here. I, I really think he he crushed it. And I, the, the animal stuff was, was brutal, but it wasn't what made me cry. Mm. It was the dynamics between all of them. It was Peter giving all he has to save Rocket. It's the dialogue of loss with him and Gamora, and he's talking to someone else. He's not talking yeah. to her. He's talking to someone else, and him wrestling with that. I just really appreciate that. And James Gunn is the best at being ridiculously emotional and then transitioning to unbelievably funny. Yeah, on a dime. I don't know how he does it so well. His directing is really incredible. Where were you pushed emotionally in this? because I
1: think that's the conversation in this movie. Yeah, no, I think all 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 the places you said, like, um, I one of the saddest parts is when they first experiment on rocket. And they ask, does it, does does it, words, does it work? Like, I think, I think floor said, does it words or does it speaks? And he just mm-hmm. says hurts. I'm like, oh my gosh. And like in late in Lila, you know, rubs him like that was, that was really sad. But yeah, I, I, I was just emotionally, I'm just emotionally invested in these characters. I think that's one of the things that why I wrestle with people comparing this to something like Shang-Chi or the Eternals, whether you like those movies or not you're not going to be as invested in Shang-Chi, as great as that movie was, as I am in characters like we talked about, I've been walking with for a decade. I've seen Peter and Rocket and Gamora and Nebula and Drax, and I've seen them grow because I think James Dunn does a great job of developing these characters and having them have growth and potential. And then seeing it all pay off in this when we understand why like Rocket didn't have that much growth. He had all this. I just went back and watched the scene in volume two when yondu's yelling at rocket and saying it's because you're me that's an amazing scene and rocket yes. like that's where rocket changed like he has his growth moment but then we go into this movie which is like oh there's not really much room for rocket to grow because emotionally he's engaged he's invested he knows this as his family but going back to see why he is the way that he was that was a genius storytelling stroke that james gunn had planned since the beginning And it really, it's really effective because Rocket's not in this movie a lot because most of the time he's on a table passed out. And so we, we have the benefit of seeing Rockets like kind of the, the apex of his growth in volume two. And then he's taken out of it. We still get a lot of work with him from the flashbacks, but then there's still all this other stuff for all the other guardians to work out because I think Rocket kind of had his moment in volume two. Then in volume three, there's oh everybody still everybody else still has their own issues to work on, and I thought it was great. I mean, just seeing all these characters grow and change and develop. Nebula, Drax, Mantis, Mantis is unreal. Palm Clemente is spectacular. We'll get to all that, but yeah, I just like I was just I was just moved by I was just moved by all the growth and character development. And then I think that you know, like I followed James Gunn on social media for a long time. He seems like a genuinely decent person who really does care about other people and i think that comes through social media i think that came through his apologies when he was fired from disney he handled that really well I, mean, I think i think he is a i think he i think he cares about people he loves people he wants to be engaged in relationships and for him to say i am rocket well you can see why he cares so deeply about all the people around him because he went from a place of not caring about anybody at all if his story mirrors rocket's which he says that it does so i was just moved by again just being with these characters that we've been with for so long, seeing them in so many so many stages, so many ways that they've grown, and then even finding new ways, right? With new Gamora and Peter unpacking that. And yeah. So I yeah, it was just it was an emotionally moving experience because I care about these characters.
0: The the scene in Endgame where Rocket is telling Thor, I lost the only family I've ever had. He's not talking about the Guardians. Yeah. And that's insane to mm-hmm. me. And that's the level of writing that. That movie just got better. It, it is it is required to go back and watch now. I would love to watch that movie through the lens of Rocket grieving mm-hmm. and going, not again. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. What happened the first time is happening yeah. again. Um, let's talk about specific characters. That's that's how we like to break things down on this show. Um, we, we, we've kind of talked about Rocket. We've talked about his backstory. So you get Teefs, you get Floor, and you get Lila. Uh, it is a Easter egg from the previous guardians movie the first one that is one of his known associates so in that scene where they're all introduced mm. and peter has the iconic middle finger scene you can see lila's name and you can see his tag number from um from the high evolutionary on that if you go back you can't see that this led some people people to believe that lila was going to be out there alive which i think is what makes her death a little more difficult if you're somebody that cared about th- i didn't know she was on yeah that i didn't know the that movie yeah Linda Cardellini comes back to play play a very heavy emotional moment again for Lila. Um, What did you think of the CGI in this? What did you think of these animal portrayals? And do you agree with the critics on this animal cruelty is too much?
1: No, because they're CGI animals. They're not actually torturing real animals. Like it's not a horse race where all the horses die. (laughs) That's real life. And these are, I think, you know, James Gunn posted that the first day of filming was with those animals because the post-production was going to take so long that they had to shoot those scenes first because to get them, I thought it looked great, man. Like if that's Victoria Alonzo's last parting shot for the MCU was to get those animals looking as good as they did and as emotionally invested in like, them as i like, what even from the from the oh not yeah all the little raccoons running but right even all the other raccoons run away and rocket standing right there it shows that he's different that there's something about him that that sets him apart mm-hmm. like that was great but then right that that scene where they're all where they figure out their names and they're laughing and it's that above shot where it looks like they're all together even though we know they're you know they're separated that was such a great like that was that was one of my favorite moments in the entire movie because they're just, they're laughing and they're finding friendship. They're finding family. The thing that they never thought they would get. The thing that they didn't even know they wanted because they were animals living off of instinct, you know, a year ago. And now here they can talk and engage and have feelings. I thought I thought the animal stuff was great. I, I didn't cry when they all died because I knew they were going to because they weren't around. And that makes a lot of sense why Rocket would be the way that he was. But I think that the heartbreaking thing was that he blamed himself for all those years that his friends died because of him. That was the the most mm-hmm. heart wrenching part that he he carried that burden when he he did the
0: scream to... from Bradley Cooper after Linda Cartellini's Lila passes
1: yeah.
0: is some of the best CGI acting I've ever seen. And it's evident he was it, it's it's evident that Bradley Cooper took this up another lot notch. This is his best performance as Rocket. Yeah, his
1: vocal work on that is great. You can Thank
0: tell you. he he put a lot of work into this. I want to give credit to the voices as well. Michaela Hoover plays Floor, <laughs> and Asim Chaudhry <laughs> plays Tiefs. Um So I want to make sure I give those two their credit. They they were in mocap uh, while um,
1: Sean, Gunn uh, uh, the, Sean Gunn does the Sean Gunn plays Young yeah.
0: Rocket, and Rocket is he's always he's the
1: Rocket. Around. Yeah, but he's beating yeah. Sean Gunn right. Like he does such a great job of cap, and and that's what like like that. I don't know I don't know if Sean Gunn and Bradley Cooper have ever even met in real life, but the way that, you know, I don't know how they do it, but like Sean Gunn's performance works so well with Bradley Cooper's voice and his like vice versa. Like that's that that's always been great with Rocket, but I don't know how they accomplished that. Because voice voice acting, like voice of work, it's hard. Like in a lot of the the what if series, right? Not everyone was great at that because voice acting is entirely different. So for Bradley Cooper to be able to crush it like he has for this long as Rocket was was really great.
0: What do you think of Mantis and Drax kind of coming back? And especially after the holiday special, it feels like James Gunn was very strategic in that relationship, making sure the audience is reminded like, hey, this is the pairing. This is the pairing right here. They're both a little awkward. They're socially awkward. Their their pasts are, are pain-filled, and it's drawn them to each other. We saw that in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. How did you feel about their relationship in this movie, and the beats that they had to carry, which both are incredibly emotional, not just about each other, but about their own
1: personal yeah, stories. I think that I would, I would sign up for uh Mantis and Drax like buddy cop show. Just you know, make it a make to do like I mean that's basically what the holiday special was. And it was great. There, I think they're they work well together. I think, you know, for Mantis to be this such an empathetic character who totally understands feelings and emotions and Drax, as played by Dave Batista, is just so deadpan and so just disassociated from emotions, really. Like he's just so like even like right that he doesn't get the metaphors and all that stuff i think it's mm-hmm. an amazing parent i think palm Clementine and Dave batista work really well together um so yeah I, I thought it was great i really enjoyed their their relationship and you know that that moment when <clears throat> mantis like says that he's dumb and and drax is like you think i'm dumb and how heartbroken she is in that moment and thankfully she can go hey forget but you know just seeing how she doesn't want to pain him at dude that's
0: a scene that makes me cry just like it's there's some super deep like
1: i feel like a lot of people are gonna see those scenes and go yep and a lot of it's gonna be like i wish i had that power that i could go back and and right we regret so many of the stupid things we say all the time if i could go back and just say forget forget that i said that forget that i said i was angry i was i hadn't had enough to eat i just listened to max and Robbie talk about She-Hulk and I was so angry. Like right, like I couldn't like help myself. You didn't like She-Hulk? No, I, I, didn't like I She-Hulk? love She-Hulk. You know me, I'm a okay, Mark. I, I was gonna say I'm I love, a love Mark. She-Hulk. I love everything.
0: Uh, okay, fair enough. Except for except for Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Karen gillen Let's talk about her as Nebula. She. This was an unexpected to me. I was I was not expecting her to be one of the main stakes of this it's evident that Peter Quill takes a backseat in terms of lead. He, he's trying to lead in this, but he's so sidetracked by Gamora that he, he just struggles to do so. Whereas Nebula has this five year gap of Endgame, that really allows her to one. She's upgraded physically. She's upgraded emotionally. She's upgraded in terms of her voice. In the first couple of movies, she's just kind of sitting there in the background, growling yeah. kind of, and we see that dynamic with her and old Gamora. Um, but Nebula really leads the charge emotionally in this of just like the, airing the frustration of the tensions in the family, but also really, really being very empathetic to specific, when Rocket, they're, they're watching him get tortured and she's just tearing up. And you know, when you're watching it, you're like, she's got to be most tight with Rocket because she spent five years trying to fix this end game problem with him. Uh, you know that she's... She's so frustrated with them, but she loves them. She's never had people to love before. Her first time smiling probably ever was five years ago on that ship with with Tony when they're playing paper football. I just think the journey that she takes in this and that James Gunn... I, I walked out of the the first time going, wow, Nebula really took the biggest journey and leap, I think, out of everybody here. And, and, and I really appreciate it because that was a character that in the first movie, I was like, whatever. She's fine. Don't really care. Don't really need her. And now I'm like... I really hope karen gillen calls him up and says let's keep going like i really hope she is one of those actors that says i want to i want to hang out a little more or come back in a future movie um what are your thoughts on? i was on, on i
1: that? i mean i thought she was i mean karen gillen's great um shout out to amy pond uh but like, are you are you a doctor who fan yeah yeah i'm not as up on it as i should be because you know kids and life but <clears throat> but i was i was really kind of taken aback like that's the one like character alone part that it didn't make sense like why she was so mean to drax and mantis like that part was really weird To me. that's the one part that doesn't really resonate or it seems like it makes sense like she was like she was really really just mean to them then that's one and you know it led to, led to a great scene where mantis like oh like you just think we screw up and like you just want to get things done which i get but like it, it seemed out of character because she had grown so much in her capacity for empathy and concern and caring about other people. So that just seemed a little off actually in, 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 the whole movie. Like that's the one part that doesn't really stick that, that sticks with things like that did not make that much sense to me.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if she's taking out her frustrations about other things happening on them. I mean, yeah, but
1: but I hated the movie because of that. Just kidding. No, there's like it's 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 the one, it's the one thing where it's like every every everyone else, their relationships and how they're all interconnected makes sense. It's that that just that felt a little off. Like why she why she why she chose to be so mad at those two and not not Quill, who she like she carries his body and like tucks him into bed when he gets blackout drunk. Like she's not mad at him about that, but she's mad because drax and mantis screw around a little bit that just seemed off
0: is it a weaker position kind of on the team kind of like drax is obviously this big bulking guy but systematically he's very low on the totem pole in terms of intelligence whereas mantis just kind of tagged along at the last movie and she kind of listens to everybody yeah but so did
1: nebula nebula tagged on at the end of the last movie too
0: nebula brings value in terms of fighting compared to the other day i I, mantis total aside we didn't talk about this but mantis's power skill set was on display in a way that the other movies didn't even touch i wish i wish we could have seen what she did in this yeah in Endgame.
1: i also liked when they had their spacesuits on and she was just jumping around because she was so happy like that was hilarious. yeah and she's
0: like falling on her on head,
1: her head <laughs> yeah.
0: hilarious like it was james gunn had her fall on her head three different times
1: i thought did mantis die because she la- like also second
0: time for sure yes
1: no doubt totally expecting somebody to die nobody did which was crazy what? We're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about that i want i want characters and we'll get
0: to the the big the big strokes here Peter Quill, you talked about he gets drunk at the beginning. Some people have said that that's like a loose end that wasn't tied up. I want to speak to that. I I think that is literally picking up from where Endgame left off. That's how I look at that scene. I'm looking at that scene. And this is where this movie really hits at home for me, Scott. One problem I've had post-Endgame is I feel like these movies and characters are not giving justice to what happened in those movies and and not and, and not that every like we don't sit around and talk about covid every day but covid is brought up in some way and passing every day by everybody i think and i think i would like to see endgame referenced more this movie referenced it in multiple different ways in appropriate ways not in forced ways and hey i'm making this decision because of this um and and i feel like this movie did the best out of everything post endgame at that and I feel like James Gunn really, really like. And James Gunn, this is an aside from the trivia part of it, but like James Gunn wanted to kill uh, Gamora in, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He didn't want her to die in Infinity War. Marvel had to talk them off the ship because that was the game plan. And then he he did not. He he has an interview recently with Chris Chris Pratt, and he laughs. He goes, "The Infinity War or um, the Guardians of the Galaxy one scene with all of the stones." And the explanation from the collector, he wrote that in 90 minutes. And the whole MCU is built off of him just like, he's kind of laughing. He's like, I just wrote that in 90 minutes. Didn't really think that it would be like this huge consequence to everything down the line. (laughs) And he's like, I totally was one of the first people to use an Infinity Stone. And basically, they had to work off of my rules from that point on. So it was just interesting from the writing perspective to see that. So I, getting back to Peter Quill, I just I felt like this was a perfect way to arc what had happened at that movie and not force it. And I think you can't talk about Peter without talking about Gamora. I really, Scott, anticipated going into this. One expectation I had was that they would kiss at the end and that it would be like a reunion and then maybe they'd go off separate ways, but that there would be one scene. And we didn't even get that. And I really appreciate that James Gunn didn't do that. And I really appreciate that Peter grew in this and that Peter, the sacrifice he makes in this versus the sacrifice he makes in the first one of jumping out of the plane of the ship is completely different. And the stakes are different and the emotions feel different because of that. What did you think of Peter's arc in this movie?
1: I like I mean, I like Chris Pratt. I know that's not the popular thing on the internet to say, but I think generally he just seems like a pretty goofy, decent guy who got super lucky and is just happy to live his sure life. Uh but I And he's aware of this. Yeah, totally. It's totally self-aware, just he's yeah he was he was Andy Dwyer and now he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world which is awesome for him but yeah I, I think that yeah especially pill pill Peter Quill Quill's relationship with Gamora like set up so much of this movie and I I loved I loved Gamora just basically telling like that's not me mm-hmm. and I thought that was a really powerful conversation I think that really shook I think Peter got shaken out a little bit after that and was able to like okay let's focus on rocket let's focus on all that other stuff because i think he needed her to tell him because i think there was always that hope in his head that something would work out and like you know she'd come to like i don't know some way through the soul stone like she'd get her memories back and like i think it was just holding out that hope and so i think that that you know like when you break up with somebody you kind of want that final conversation that he never got to have because his more died but with this version of I'm gonna have that clear-cut conversation i am not that person i will never be that person Please stop letting me be that, wanting me to be that person. And I think allowed, like that conversation allowed Peter to move on a little bit and then actually form somewhat of a relationship with that version of Gamora, which I'm glad didn't end in a kiss, but ended with them being like, okay, like you're not as much of a D as I thought you were.
0: I think Gamora was great in this. I I really didn't know what her role was. And I've I've heard people say like, she didn't do anything in this movie. And I've heard people say like, she's just there. And I'm like, I, I don't process the way that she's in this. She is present as a reminder of what was lost, but also she's present to take care of some important plot things like all of stories do. But I really, really love that James Gunn and, and you talked about this too, but just he did not cave. It would have been so easy to find a way for them to fall in love or have a kiss or like the scene where he saves her when um, Adam Warlock attacks. I think it would have been easy to do that, and they they made a really great choice in not doing that. And I, I tip my hat to James Gunn, and this served Peter Quill's character, and it served his future in this whole MCU. And it, yeah, well. and it
1: served Gamora well too because she was so convinced that she could not like this version of Gamora was so convinced that she could not be a part of this team, like that's mm-hmm. where she was. And then she like she's like she doesn't understand why they're not killing anybody, like all these things that you know our version of Gamora understands. Then she then like she doesn't join them she goes back off the ravagers and she's really excited to be at the ravagers like she's happy she's smiling she's loving it but she totally i think maybe not, doesn't want to be part part of that team the guardians but she understands why she could be or how she could be And i think that that's huge to go from like this is nothing i could ever be part of like oh i could see how that could happen i think that's a that's a great arc for for that gamora and i think zoe saldana does a great job of portraying a different gamora right because it Yes, she's grumpier one, yeah. Like, and so it's not even Gardens of Galaxy volume one version of Gamora because that version of Gamora was totally opposed to Thanos, was willing to do anything to save the galaxy. This version of Gamora maybe was at that place, but then her life shifted, and now she's just a ravager and she got taken back to the past, and life is really weird for her. And so, I, I thought she did a good job showing us a different version of Gamora. Uh, Will
0: Poulter let's talk about Adam Warlock did you have high expectations for Adam Warlock going into this
1: not really because I knew that the high evolutionary was in it so he's probably the the main baddie and I just wonder you know how much of did it really change or was this always the the plan to have him kind of be a side character a little bit of comic relief I thought that was a good way of making him not as menacing or as intimidating or as powerful as he is in the comics by saying you took him out of the oven too soon now he's kind of an idiot which love that will poulter like has a good i'm kind of a dumb idiot look to his like he he portrays that i'm not saying he looks like that but like just the conf- the confused looks he gives were dead on and then when and it fits in this world like it, it
0: fits in the context of the guardians corner like i think if, if 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 he comes in with this noble persona that adam warlock has in the comics i think that beat gets missed in this story Another critic, another piece of feedback I've heard is that he's just kind of there too. I don't feel that as well. I think his arc was very intentionally set up. It was evident that they wanted him to be a guardian at the end of this. I I think I think they're forming the Infinity Watch after this. I think one of the things that they're doing is Guardians of the Galaxy will be a thing for a little longer, but then there will be an overarching need with Celestials or whatever that they'll have to form an Infinity Watch. And I think Rocket will have to be part of that or go to the Avengers. It'll be one of those kinds of decisions for him and Bradley Cooper. But I think Will Poulter had to get introduced sooner or later as Adam Warlock. Like, this has to happen. We can't just let him sit on the side to do this. I I thought Will Poulter was great. I I do not think anybody was bad in this. That's kind of what I'm saying. I don't think anybody was bad in this,
1: Scott. I really don't. I, I Are we on to our characters and go to, like, broader things? Well, let's, let's go to high evolutionary, then we can go to broad here.
0: Uji, do you Uji, do you think this is a villain that had to have a backstory of mom or dad not liking him in order to be bad? Or did you appreciate that he was just evil through and through, and the more the movie went, the louder he got, and the more evil he got?
1: I love people being evil for the sake of being evil. My favorite Disney live-action remake is Cinderella. Because they don't give Kate Blanchett's evil stepmother a backstory for why she's the way she is. She's just mean, and she doesn't like that Cinderella is young and pretty. And so, just having the High Evolutionary be like a jerk who has has like right, he's got his motive. I'm trying to create a better universe, but I mean, oh, what was the lines like? You weren't trying to create a better universe. What does Rocket say to him? Oh, you saw it twice. You're trying to perfect it. Yeah. Wow. What it,
0: it was? No, no. You were. You were. Oh yeah. Um. You weren't trying to create a better universe
1: something like you're just trying to keep other people out of it i don't yeah, know, like
0: you were trying to fix what you didn't like
1: about. yeah, it. yeah. That, and that was great and that's perfect so like he's just a bad guy with a bad a bad motive and then yeah he just gets evil more evil and more evil and then when he laughs at rocket and says he doesn't have a place in utopia he was dead to me and i'm glad uh they threw they ripped his face off and that was a little creepy that was some good uh that was a little squeamishy with his face. Well, there. I'll talk
0: to that makeup real quick. The makeup deserves an Oscar just for his face. The close ups on his face were insane. In we saw this first time in 3D. It looks great yeah. on the sides. Like they worked their tails off behind the scenes to make this look good. Um, I think it's Shikuri Uji. This is the character I anticipated uh, spoilers for Peacemaker, but in Peacemaker, you find out that his character is is an alien in that show and the character ends up being a good how alien, do you have a spoiler first... warning
1: when you're on the show like what was i supposed to do? just take out my headphones at that moment like oh yeah just say whatever you want about peace are back. you
0: watching peacemaker
1: nah, are you planning I, on I, watching peacemaker yeah, at some point but it's it's fine i don't care that's fine there you go i, just I also know that well, uh the lady's husband in uh watchman is the blue dude so you know it's okay
0: sure yeah um <laughs> That's a great show, too. I can't believe I haven't watched it. Does that. he have
1: pants on, or is it just, like, hanging out?
0: No, it hangs out. Oh, awesome. It's like the comic. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I wouldn't call it this. Um, it's, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, Chikuni Uji is the villain I anticipated him to be in Peacemaker. Please never do that again, Scott. And so I, I really appreciated that he got to show that range, because in Peacemaker, he didn't do that. He was just more of comic relief to a really, really uh, childish peacemaker and so i really appreciate i agree with you that that's a great analogy i won't add anything else i just would say i agree with you and i think my only issue with this character and this is where we start getting nitpicks when we start on the broader scale of things is if he could just explode that area at the end of the movie why was he not doing that when the guardians were kicking his rear end like that's an honest question i have is why and, and this goes back to Kang in Mania. Spoiler alert for that movie. Why can he do powerful things one minute and then the next minute he can't? I'm, I'm having a hard time with that. And I think Marvel really has got to be more consistent in this. Don't give them these overarching incredible powers
1: just to not use them when it matters. And in that scene- Well, the High Evolutionaries that, were like suit-based. And so they were like jacking up his suit so he couldn't, I didn't get that
0: from him and Rocket. He had Rocket pinned up there. Then Rocket does the the boots and then they shoot him up and punch him. I just,
1: I felt like. I thought they were pretty intentional of showing that his, his suit was getting jacked up. And every time he used his powers, his suit glowed. So maybe, maybe, maybe. That I was, wrong. That was my know. head cannon for filling in that plot hole. And I don't care about plot I, holes.
0: Then ex- explain that a little better then. That's my feedback. I would like that explained a little better. So that way, I don't have to come on this show and nitpick pick that and, and look like a big um, mouth breather, sweaty guy.
1: I can see Mac- Max right now, and he is neither sweaty nor breathing from his mouth. I'm not
0: sweaty at all. I actually really comfortable. It's nice outside.
1: What's nice for you? Uh,
0: 75 to 85.
1: Oh, that is nice.
0: Preferably 75. Like, like I'm talking like outside. Oh. Inside, I want it 68 to 72.
1: Sunny with a high of 75.
0: Okay, you were wanting to talk about something else. Go ahead and um, go ahead and try. Oh,
1: I, they they made such a huge deal about the other Ravagers in Volume 2, and they were not in this very much as I thought they would be. That was kind of disappointing. And Michelle Yeoh wasn't there, which was a bummer. Yeah, what
0: was up with Michelle Yeoh not being there? Great point.
1: She went off. That is a
0: great point, Scott. She, what the heck's up with that?
1: She went off. This is the year meet Michelle Yeoh. I know, but. Yeah, that. we really could have used her in this one she's the best at everything she literally is i know so uh that was one oh, thing where it's like Good what point. happened like you know and i love like i think they fit in really well in volume two and the ravager funeral at the end of volume two is one of my favorite scenes in the trilogy chef's kiss right but but just they seem like to have sylvester stallone right it just seemed like a little bit of a bit part that wasn't you know, they could have found a reason for Gamora to get there other than that, but it was fine. That's, that's my nitpicky on that.
0: This is the good and the bad you get with James Gunn though, right? Like, I mean, as great as James Gunn, it is, the emotional storytelling and at the hard conversations pivoting to really funny jokes. He's going to put his people in every single one of his properties. And it, it drives me nuts because his wife's there. Yeah, And it's like, she every time she's in a scene, it takes me out of it because I'm reminded of DC. I'm like, dude, she doesn't need to be in the scene well, what are we doing here? she won't be in any more mc movies in in, some, in as, as a viewer that doesn't know anybody it, it can be frustrating yeah. but as a person i tip my hat to him that he's always got the it, you kind of said this earlier he just
1: he strikes me as a guy who cares about his tribe and and those are people in his tribe and that the- and and it seems to keep growing like right he doesn't seem like he's got forefront like right it was nathan fillion state steve ag his brother, and Michael Rucker. But now it's Pum Clemente, it's Chris Pratt. It's like all these people that he's been adding over the years.
0: It's Batista now. Batista is for sure going to the DC John
1: Cena, right? Book it now. He he seems, because he apparently has done the emotional work to be an emotionally healthy human being, his capacity to grow and love people is growing. His capacity to love people is growing. And so he keeps adding all these friends. So at some point when he makes a movie, it's literally like he can cast everybody that he likes because he just has so many friends, which is great.
0: Yeah, that's Damn. that's long term not a good thing for movies like Superman, but we'll see. Uh,
1: so I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. The Ravager stuff was all right. Um, I thought I was crying laughing when Nebula was trying to open the car door. Oh my word! They yes. made they made use of their one f bomb very well. That was so funny. That it was unreal. I was dying. And
0: it, that was an ad lib scene. That was not was a it? ad lib scene oh my round.
1: gosh that was really like way to make the use of your your one f word there uh made the most of it and anything else right at the top let me uh tell me what you thought and then I'll, if you have any more random thoughts i'll see I, I wrote i wrote some down so let me see if i got anything else
0: yeah no i think for me the the other nitpicks and things i say about this movie that uh were frustrating I, i'm frustrated that we didn't get a epilogue of rocket meeting Groot um i think that was a huge miss here my gut tells me we will go we will get that answer down the line with another guardians movie i have a difficult time seeing how that happens though without james gunn helming it um i loved cosmo oh
1: that's right i loved
0: cosmo's bit of a good bad dog with craglin was so funny That's an example of every single emotional beat was sad and then they would go to that scene and that just would cheer me up and bring me right back into it. And I really, like, I think some people might watch it and go, "It was done too much. No, I feel like it was the perfect, perfect appropriate amount then to peak where Kraglin uses the ability that Yondu gave him. Oh my gosh! That was earned. That was years in the making. That was a
1: years in the making decision. Guardians two was a long time. When ago. Adam Warlock attacks nowhere and he tries using it, and it just like bounces off of him. It's like who, yes. who did that? Like that was that was great. Like that was hilarious. It, it moved Craglin's like it showed us about Craglin, but it was also very very funny.
0: I agree, and I think to bring Yondu back was a stroke of genius. Obviously, another reason for James Gunn to bring a buddy back into a movie. Um. I, I also really liked that Adam Warlock kicked the crap out of everybody at the beginning. Yeah. I think it showed that they weren't as powerful as they thought they were. Uh, it's a great storytelling device, and you can take away everything from somebody. I thought the Nowhere stuff was really good. You get the big CGI third-act fight, but I think you had to have it. I think you had to have it in this one in order to advance what they did. And I love that Marvel continues to make an emphasis. I, it, it, I'm i sure it's a law. I'm sure they've got some rule that like every Marvel movie, you have to save people. <laughs> and... They're saving kids. They're saving the animals. I really like that. I really appreciate that. And in this one, it's like over the top with like the Noah's Ark kind of look. It's just comical. But I love it, and I'm here for
1: it. We go to superhero movies to see people being heroic, and saving a ship full of kids and animals, that's super heroic. I am for that every time, over and over again. And th- And that's what I like about... Like the third at the third one of these movies, right? Is like they don't have to become heroes; they are already heroes, which yes. is a fun part about a trilogy, right? Of seeing this end, and that's why I really like Captain America: The First Avenger, is because Steve doesn't have to become a hero; he's already a hero. He just needs the body. Whereas you look at the origin stories for Thor, and Iron Man, like it's shifted. Like they have, they have, they have the tools to be a hero; they need to have the heart. Steve was always, always, always a hero. He just needed the body to match his heart, which I think. And this
0: is why Thor is kind of mid now because. Thor continues to deteriorate, it feels like, as a power set of a character when he doesn't need to, and it's kind of the same problem CW's Flash has. It's like you can't have a character that OP without writing some emotional tra- traumas in mm-hmm. their story. I don't know. I think it's kind of how it works. No, I, I I think, but I think Kraglin was really good in this, and I think the Cosmo, Cosmo was just a, a very big surprise. I really liked the ending with Groot um, and the the I love you guys, and that was, according to James Gunn, he has confirmed this, that was from for the audience to finally be able to understand him. It's like we're Gamora in that scene, so I really like that. And we spend
1: enough time with this character that we understand his language.
0: Yep, we understand his language now. And it's like, I, I really liked that. Thought it was a good pivot from We Are Groot in the first movie. And yeah, I really, I really appreciated Groot's arc as well. Groot's always great to be in the background. <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. Past look really cool and hand guns off and be part of the hallway fight the hallway fight did you uh where would you rank that in terms of marvel fights because this is for me one of the better wherever
1: ones. i rank the cathedral fight from age of ultron that's where i'd rank this fight because they're the same thing in my head like, they, like no they're I, not scott stop this yeah, i i don't say that as a bad thing i say it as oh, a great no. thing it, it just uh, it just oh. gave me the same vibes right it's the camera they're all trying to dance around doing the same it was awesome i loved it had beastie boys great call but right like it, it just gave me the same vibe, which is not a bad thing. I that fight in Age of Ultron is great. You get a little more kind of like uh close-ups on the Avengers in Age of Ultron than you do in the hallway scene. But it's the same idea of just we're panning around, everybody's working in concert together, which is great. I loved it. I would rate that action scene a six out of six. I thought it was awesome. But it just made it just it it. It gave me Age of Ultron vibes, which is not a bad thing because I like Age of no Ultron. No Sleep
0: Till Brooklyn was the best song in the whole movie. Nah. It was the best. Dude,
1: they, they really crushed it with Florence and the Machine at the end.
0: Do you think, Do you? yeah, that was good too. And with um, Creep at the beginning too. Did you, did you think that, where would you rank the,
1: the soundtracks? So like, do you think this is better than the second or first one? I apparently it's not available on Apple Music. I use Apple Music. Sorry, I'm not young. I don't use Spotify. So I can't like Whoa. I mean I could make the playlist myself. But I'm like, I'll just go. I'm part of me is like, I'm just gonna go to Target and buy the CD because I have a CD player in my car. Again, I'm old. Uh but you know, there were some standouts, but I I don't know, like I because I I very often people ask me like, Oh, how'd you like that movie? I'm like, I don't know. Like it's really hard to judge this movie for, with ones that I've sat with for a long time. I think even more so with the awesome mixes, because that first one I listened to over and over and over again. And it introduced so many songs that I'd never heard before. So I'd really have to sit and listen to the album to really know how I feel. But I think the first one was better than the second one.
0: Here, here's how I know it's already, it's already a good one is uh, I coach track and field and, so we we have our throwers and we're next to the field house where lacrosse is getting ready for a game and they're blasting music. They were blasting the Beastie Boys song.
1: Yeah, no,
0: hadn't heard so hadn't heard anything don't. other than pop until for two, two, I hadn't heard anything but two thousands music all year. First time I've heard anything before the two thousands. It's a
1: good song too, man.
0: It's it's a great song. It was awesome. It was yeah. It's it's amazing how James Gunn did it.
1: There was a video of Florence from Florence and the Machine watching that scene. It was really great. She was all just tearing up. How and they crying. feel about it? She loved. I mean, she she have. was crying. Like it's it's beautiful. Like it's a beautiful, like yeah, man. They nailed that song. They they nailed that song choice. And then like you know at the end where it's just, just the beats and it's hitting, and then I know it's going to build up again. And they all just start dancing around. Yeah, the end. Ah, man, the ending was really good.
0: The ending was really good. Let's one more thing.
1: Do you think it takes away from the emotion of this movie to not kill somebody? No, because I think that's a that's an easy way out to make something emotional. I think creating the level of emotional tension that James Gunn did without killing somebody is a lot harder He's to. It's centered
0: do. around almost killing people, though he almost killed Rocket, he almost killed Peter at the end. Yeah. But you can make an argument everybody almost died at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but the
1: emotional heavy lifting of the relationships, I think it's much harder to get emotion to delve those relationships for emotional impact than it is a death so i think that yeah people almost dying and and but that's the thing too every time somebody almost died i thought oh is this it is this person dying which i kind of like going into a movie like i thought mantis died when she just fell on her head i'm like oh that's a really weird to make the guardian like like or i thought drax was gonna die i'm like oh that was really sudden like
0: well and it's it's not that he I, I guess i'm more asking like did marvel say you can't do it because like he he's not afraid to kill people he's made that pretty clear um i don't know i i I would have really actually, I walked out of this kind of going, I really would have liked if Peter would have died. Because because that's the one that of everybody I wouldn't have thought was going to die going into it.
1: So I feel like that would have been a really, really clever way to do it. I thought Rocket was going to die for sure. Like that was like I was. Oh, everyone did. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I, so I was surprised. And Batista. I think everybody thought
0: Batista was going to die because he's the most vocal about not going to come back. But Zoe Saldana doesn't. She doesn't want to come back. She she's she made it very clear this is the last one. No, she she's stopped like, being a right?
1: ravager, but everyone says that until you know, Papa Feige's like, "Do you want to come back for twenty million dollars?"
0: I, I agree until until it's you know, Avengers. Everybody comes back for this one seven. Yeah. you know.
1: So no, I, I was so fine I, with nobody dying. I thought emotionally there was enough heavy lifting and things other than people dying. I did with the Peter thing at the end. I did think that was nice
0: full circle from the first movie. Yeah. And I think the the painting with the two fingers, uh, forgive me, I'm not remembering the painting or the artist's name, but I know that that was a reference to that. I thought that was obviously great imagery. I know a lot of people are struck by that.
1: The newspaper with Kevin Bacon talking about his alien abduction. Oh, so good, so, so, so
0: good. Well, you're, you're leaning into kind of my next point is uh, with that ending, did you feel that that was satisfactory for how the, this trilogy started?
1: Yeah, I think so. It ends up back, Peter's back on earth with his grandpa. Like it kind of, it, it sort of comes full circle. So yeah, I, I yeah I like of it. all the Guardians characters to come back.
0: Do you feel like it's okay that Peter comes back? What more do they have to tell with his story, in your opinion?
1: Mm, I think there's a lot you can do. So if there's a legendary Star Lord movie, like if Chris Pratt is like headlining his own movie, I think there's a lot there because you know he's figured out what it means to be a hero with a team, with his family around him. So what's it look like to do that when you're back in unknown areas, nobody knows who he is. I think James Gunn said that people on Earth are unaware of who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. So I think there's a lot there to try to, you know, once again, figure out who who he is without his family around him. Family being the Guardians. So I think you can do some stuff there.
0: Here's my theory and I talked about this earlier. I, I have a theory right now that Chris Pratt is going to be in Secret Invasion. And I have no evidence of this, but I have a, I have a theory that Chris Pratt is going to be in this and that the reason Chris Pratt will be in it is because Don Cheetah will be discovered to be a, a scroll and Nick Fury will have to turn to somebody he can trust. And he knows that Chris Pratt's character is an unknown and that just, he just got there. And I feel like that might be a great, clever way to one give Chris Pratt a great serious role within the context of the Marvel cinematic universe. But someone else has to know about these scrolls. That's not captain Marvel. Um, And it, I mean, Nick Fury can be that person, but it would be really great to have somebody like Star-Lord be the messenger where everybody's like, you're, you're who? I'm a legendary (laughs) Star-Lord. Like, I think there would just be some really cool things. And maybe that's not at the beginning of Secret Invasion, because I know he doesn't necessarily match the tone of what I think they're trying to go for that show. But it would not surprise me by if episode six, Chris Pratt's Star-Lord is, is introduced or, The ending of episode six is Nick Fury knocking on that door and saying, we need to talk. Um, That would be a really cool way to bring him into the fold, but also kind of do some of the storytelling
1: you're talking about. It is not an Infinity Bros episode until there's scroll speculation. Just... Scroll watch. I'm glad that, like, I mean, we've gone an hour. I'm glad that it finally popped popped up. Like, I feel like this... I got the full experience of being on the Infinity Bros podcast. That's my...
0: That's my, uh, that's my crackpot theory, and I'm sticking to it. So,
1: What happens if it doesn't come true? Will you be disappointed? And uh, No, I wouldn't be disappointed in I, that one. I just feel like that why, would be a great. Why don't, you, why don't you like Secret Invasion? Because it didn't have my stupid theory come true. <laughs> well, that would just be a crazy curveball that I feel like would
0: really, really push the genre, but also, I don't even think I have to do it at the beginning. I think they could do it at the end. I think it'd be a great way to like continue the story, and that's Chris Pratt's job now on Earth find scrolls find scrolls and be part of that process and then that gets him back in the galaxy kind of reconnecting um i don't know i just i just feel like i am trying to wrap my head around what his job is from this point on and and i appreciate your perspective of like hey a solo movie let's let's remove everything else and put him on earth what does that look like i think that's a good idea even then that doesn't excite me if i'm being honest
1: i've never read any star lord comics so i'll go and see what the uh source material they're working from
0: it's just strange that he's the one coming back, but I know Chris Pratt pretty much says yes to anything. Because
1: so. he's just happy. He's just living his life, being happy, being married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, just loving his life. Living the dream.
0: Well, uh, you can check out Scott on the Christian Nerd podcast. Uh, any other
1: spaces you want us to send people your way, Scott? Yeah, that's about it. Just go to the Christianerd.com or search the Christian Nerd in your favorite podcasting app.
0: Don't go to your favorite podcasting app for us. Go to your least favorite one. Yeah,
1: the one that you never look at. My, my show's a lot like this, except I just... Tell scott
0: typically that. starts the first 10 minutes off it's a therapy session yeah you know
1: i i i would lot i started a podcast because therapy is expensive and 20 dollars a month to libsyn is cheaper than therapy we
0: appreciate you scott you can we consider the christian nerd our guardians of the galaxy of the infinity Brothers <laughs> so that's what we do uh if you enjoyed us so you can check us out on facebook instagram twitter twitch discord all that stuff there's a link in the show notes you want to check out Uh, We'll also include a link to Scott's stuff, too, if you don't want to go searching for it. And uh, we'd love to know what your thoughts are on this movie. What's your rating of it? What do you think is going to happen moving forward? Do you foresee the Guardians returning in a future movie? We'd love for you to answer those questions. And you can check out what we talked about in the Patreon, where we talked about our thoughts on the Fantastic Four current rumors of who's going to be in that movie. We talk about WandaVision and the fact that uh, that the Doctor Strange two writers didn't know about anything about that show and we kind of give my feedback on that spoiler alert i didn't like it and uh what else did we talk about uh we embarrassed zane and Vinny Bro Zane scott um you know how much how much therapy do you think you did in that time
1: i was just pretty clear i'm just gonna say though that you should be a patron because basically every time there's an infinity bros episode and you're a patron you get two episodes a week basically that's a good point because you get two it's not the it's one. not like oh yeah here's 12 seconds of content it's basically a whole nother episode uh, and a little more a little more unhinged which uh, is always enjoyable yeah
0: I think that's a good way to put it and I don't think I'm the unhinged one but I think the others are
1: so yeah so uh, be a patron of the uh, Infinity Bros podcast
0: Scott thanks for coming on we love to have buddy, and uh, we will see you soon very very soon I know and thank you Infinity Bros universe wherever you listened, however you listen thanks for making us part of your podcast experience as always we love you guys 3000 and uh, we'll see you soon see ya bye, bye.